Hello and welcome to episode 160 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, still being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, it's the first random show of 2022. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And all that's really taken place since my last episode is a quick overnight trip, and it was in the form of an overnight antique trip. We hit three stops. We started in Ocala, Florida, hit up the Ocala Antique Mall and Estates, Wildings Antiques, and finished up in Ocala at Two Sisters Vintage Thrift. From there, it was up the road just a little bit to Van Horn Antiques in McIntosh, Florida, and that's where we found a $15 cast iron three fried egg pan. And I'm about three hours into its restoration, which consisted of rust removal, some reseasoning, some more reseasoning, and still more reseasoning, and should have this wrapped up in another hour or two. Finished up the antique road trip in Micanopy, Florida. This was the location where much of the 1991 movie Doc Hollywood was filmed in Micanopy. When you look at a true central Florida town, Micanopy is the definition of that. There we found the Antique City Mall right off I-75. There was an actual antique auction taking place, and it's probably the first time in a good five or ten years that I've seen that happen. I left with a handful of railroad spikes that will eventually become some part of a rustic wine rack. Again, I'm several hours into that project with several more hours ahead. Leaving Micanopy, it was an hour or so north into Lake City, Florida for the evening. And that's where we came across two fat guys, burgers and fries. So feel free to insert your fat guy joke. Probably one of the best road food burgers that I've ever eaten. If you stop in, make sure to order the garlic parmesan fries. I guarantee you that they will not disappoint. And that evening, we stayed at the Lake City Hampton Inn. This is a Hampton Inn that I have driven past for the better part of 13, 14 years and really never had a need to stop at it. This was a typical Hampton Inn, plenty of parking, typical clean rooms, a snack at check-in. But what was really odd was that at breakfast, we had to ring a bell so that employees could come out from the back to dish out our food. I'm sure some kind of a COVID policy. Safe to say that we went across I-75 to the local McDonald's. The random show rears its ugly head or head, depending on how you look at it, at least semi-annually. And the reason is that there is a bunch of travel information that I can't dedicate a whole episode to, and it's too mundane to make the monthly crazy travel roundup. So I just kind of pile them all into one episode and call it the random show. So let's start this random show with a question. Do you consider yourself a travel snob? And I asked this question almost 100 episodes ago, and a recent incident brought this back to my mind. Recently, I booked a Hilton night for the entrepreneur, a night away from Chateau Relaxo, who could ever want to spend a night away from here but apparently he wanted to and when he made it back home the first thing he said was did anyone from the hotel call you not the first thing you want to hear when you've booked someone a hotel room in your name and my reply was why and I'm known to oftentimes say don't answer a question with another question but I believe that my reply why was justified well the entrepreneur went on to explain that his he was checking out an employee approached him about the stay. 
The entrepreneur followed the employee over to what he thought was the checkout desk, but only it wasn't the checkout desk, it was Hilton's timeshare desk, and the entrepreneur was trapped. Long story short, the entrepreneur went on to explain that I had booked the room, and then at that point, Tommy Timeshare took my Hilton reward number, and it did at least credit me 500 points into my account. But this is where the whole travel snob theme kind of crept back into my head. I never, ever check out of a hotel room. I don't stop by the front desk for a receipt. I normally don't even remove the Do Not Disturb placard from my door. Occasionally, I might electronically check out via the app if I get some sort of a notification. But this doesn't necessarily make me a travel snob, right? It's the same thing with my rental. I fill it up with gas, pull into the Hertz lot, wave at the attendant, and go about my business by the time I'm at the airport check-in. There's already a receipt from Hertz in my email. I fly Southwest Airlines. There's nothing snobby about that. So far as even the outgoing CEO Doug Parker puts it, go fly the cattle car, fly Southwest. And maybe I'm a travel snob. Who knows? Who cares, honestly? But I do need to spend more time with the entrepreneur on his hotel etiquette, walk with purpose, and don't make eye contact with anybody. One of the travel blogosphere websites, the points guy posted six things I look for in a hotel room when traveling with my young family. Ashley Onadale, O-N-A-D-E-L-E, posted as follows. Number one, safety and cleaning protocols. Now, in full disclosure, all of my young kids can drive and buy alcohol, so maybe Ashley has a different take on this. But when it comes to safety and cleaning protocols, Yes, we are all concerned about this, but it comes down to really what the hotel actually does, not what they say they'll do. And honestly, you'll never truly know unless you break out a black light. And who the hell wants to do that? Ashley also added family-focused amenities. Well, sure, if you're in Orlando or Anaheim, but if you're in Knoxville, Tennessee for the weekend or even the week, you got to get creative, and that falls on you, mom and dad, or dad and dad, or mom and mom, or whatever your combination is. She also added dining options, including room service, and this is where Yelp or Uber Eats comes into play. Most hotel dining facilities have a very limited menu, probably more geared toward the young ones than the adults, but after 22 years of traveling, I can tell you that room service is for the birds. And speaking of service, Ashley mentioned personalized service. Well, short of staying at a resort, good luck with this one. And, and really, personalized service is up to each individual. For me, it means that nobody's going to call my room minutes after I've walked in to make sure that everything is okay. Some people love that stuff. Uh, not so much for me. Also, room size. Well, king bed, two queens, two doubles. Most hotel rooms are the same size. They just pull some of the furniture out to make room for more beds. If you're that concerned, look for the word sweet in the description of your room. And then actually finished up with something for parents. Well, you're traveling with young kids. What could you possibly be planning? This next one is from the This Actually Makes Sense Department. Delta CEO Ed Bastain wrote a letter to the Attorney General asking that the Justice Department set up a national no-fly list for unruly passengers. Bastain added that close to 2,000 of their previous Delta passengers had already been placed on the airline's own list. This is way overdue. Combine those databases, cross-reference, draw arrows, classify passengers into three groups. First-time flyer, fly, 
are no-fly. If your behavior causes a flight delay, you're in the no-fly group. If your behavior requires a flight attendant, a pilot, or possibly passenger intervention, no-fly group. If your behavior requires you to be escorted off the plane, no-fly group. You get the point. This is not an invasion of anyone's privacy. This is simply being held accountable for your actions and behavior. The HuffPost recently posted nine vacation habits that are secretly stressing you out. This ought to be good, right? Number one, overplanning slash underplanning. Yes, you do need to plan, especially if you're spending your family's hard-earned money. However, you have to find a balance that works not only for you, but for everybody in the family. No one wants to hear I'm bored 10 minutes after you check into a hotel. Number two was skipping meals. Uh, honestly, I have no idea how this actually happens. I guess it's kind of like leftover pizza, which is something that never happens here at Chateau Relaxo. When traveling, I will oftentimes book hotels near great food establishments. Number three, being too stringent with itineraries. When the CEO and I travel for pleasure, we typically have a pretty loose itinerary. If it's a road trip, we know that we have to be at certain places at certain times for hotel reservations. But it's never like, hey, we'll be at the Atlanta Aquarium from 10 a.m. to noon, and then next door at the World of Coke from 12.15 to 3. We're usually pretty fluid with our travel itineraries. Number four, checking your work emails. Guilty, I'm connected 24-7. I call it the death of distance, but it's by my choice. And I look at it like this. I set my out-of-office email and voicemail to include with limited access to email and voicemail on it. But if there's something that I can resolve in just a few minutes, typically I will do it. And the reason is that it's one less thing that I have to do once I get back to work on Monday morning. The CEO does the same thing. It must be one of those unwritten contracts that we have as a couple. Comparing your trip to other people's travel not looking to be a travel snob, but none of my friends have ever made Tallahassee, Florida a travel destination unless they had a child looking at going to the FSU. In addition, comparison, if you didn't know this, comparison is the thief of joy. Number seven was ditching your self-care habits. Well, for me, whatever current self-care habits I'm attempting to accomplish, I normally try to hold true to them while traveling. Number eight was only booking the cheapest options and not understanding your budget. Well, folks, in life, most things come down to money. And travel is certainly no different. Even when traveling on points, I still weigh the value of cashing in points against the cost of a room. The exception is that I will normally use points for airfare. Not sure why, but that's just something that I've done year after year. Finishing the list up with number nine, setting unrealistic expectations. Thank you, Instagram. Thank you, Facebook. The travel posts that we often see are staged. They take time, oftentimes multiple shots, oftentimes again, Photoshop. And as corny as it sounds, just be in the moment. Hike your own hike. You be you. Pick the mantra that works for you. And honestly, five minutes after someone looks at your pictures from your last exotic trip, they won't remember it, and they probably don't care about it. HuffPost gave us another list this month, mistakes at the airport that are costing you money. 
First one was paying for expensive parking. Yes, airport parking is not cheap. I've seen and approved expense reports where the daily airport parking fee was over $40. If you have time and you want to save some shekels, most airports have an off-lot park and fly or a parking spot of that sort. Airlines charge for baggage. It is a revenue stream. Your credit card company may provide one or two free bags. I think Southwest will give you one or two free bags. But if you are flying a discount airline, baggage fees is where they narrow that gap on the P&L statement. Also, going shopping at the airport, short of a shot glass or a t-shirt, the airport is a very expensive place to buy that last-minute birthday gift or even that last-minute Valentine's Day gift. Packing the wrong things in your carry-on, if you do not know what you do not know, visit tsa.gov. Not being strategic about snack purchases, again, visit tsa.gov for guidelines on what you can bring through TSA. Just think of it as smuggling candy into the movies. Missing out on free airport amenities, well, possibly your credit card may give you some freebies like lounge access, but short of the bathrooms, maybe a water fountain and the meditation room, there's little else free at your airport. Booking a more expensive rental car. Why, why, why would you ever book an expensive rental car? All they can do is downgrade you if they don't have that expensive rental car on the lot. If you book a middle-of-the-road car, you just might get an upgrade for the same fee. Overlooking free or cheap public transportation. If you're in a major city, you can always weigh the value slash hassle of taking a bus, train, or rideshare to the airport. Unfortunately, I don't have that luxury. And then finishing up the list with not budgeting for unexpected costs. We've talked about this before, the unexpected cost of, say, getting everyone back home due to bad weather, COVID, or flight cancellations. Always leave yourself a little bit of a cushion. Here's a quick one and done from View from the Wing. You should inspect that airline blanket before using it. The post was accompanied by a nine-second video from Jamari Trailer in which his airplane blanket showed evidence of, quote-unquote, who knows what. Never, ever do you use an airline blanket even if it is wrapped in plastic. Here's a pro tip. If you tend to get cold while flying, which a lot of people do, drop 20 bucks on a packable blanket from Amazon. All right, this next story requires a bit of setup. Last week in the mail, the actual mail, snail mail, we received the Disney Rewards Insider Newsletter. More than likely, the CEO signed up for it and put my name on the mailer. But on page four, there's an article, Become Part of the Story on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And the article describes this first-of-a-kind experience where you can interface with the characters as you're immersed in a different world. And of course, the article finished up with Disney letting me know that I could save 10% on purchases of $50 or more if I use my Disney Visa card, which I don't even think I have. Well, in episode 147, what else is there to do in Florida? We talked about the Disney Star Wars themed Galactic Star Cruiser hotel pricing. And for a two-night stay, prices range from $4,800 for two guests in a cabin to $59.99, that's $5,999 for four guests, three adults and one child. 
And all these months later, I'm still perplexed by the three adults and one child. Maybe somebody from the mouse house can give me a call and clear it up. But that's an S-ton of money for a two-night stay, even for a Star Wars nerd. Well, earlier this month, Live and Let's Fly posted Disney World roasted over astronomical Star Wars hotel. The post went on to say the Galaxy Edge is treated as an immersive experience where there are no mentions of the rest of the park, prices for goods are referred to as credits, and Disney cast members, and we all know that they're cast members, not employees, but Disney cast members refer to being on or off planet. Oh boy. Well, it seems that the immersive part of the state even goes as far as to transport visitors to the Galactic Star Cruiser. Seems cool, right? Well, it seems that the transport mode is a converted box truck. And as you can well imagine, the internet responded with pictures of box trucks mocked up with graphics. Some of them proclaiming the Galactic Star Cruiser was sponsored by U-Haul. I think there was one posted or one picture posted of an actual garbage truck. Well, in case you didn't know this, Universal Studios is a competitor to Disney and they're about 10 miles away. And Universal posted a great tweet. It had a picture of a Universal Studios, one of their own box trucks with the caption, get in folks, we're going to Universal. And I know that Disney is much smarter than me. But this seems to be very narrow-casted when it comes to the market, especially for a two-day stay at a single park. I've said this in the past. I did not get the Star Wars chip when I was born. I've never seen any of the movies. I understand the concept and the characters. But I do not understand the passion that people have for Star Wars. So this must be happening in a galaxy far, far away from reality. Let's finish up by spending a few minutes talking about my favorite airline, Southwest Airlines. On the day of this episode's release, February 16th, beer, wine, and hard liquor will once again be offered during Southwest flights longer than 176 miles. For all you hoarders out there, Southwest went on to add customers may redeem any Southwest drink coupon that was set to expire in 2020 or 2021 for an alcohol beverage through December 31st, 2022. Not a bad deal. Just be careful when you are plain drinking. We all know how that one spirals out of control. And then View from the Wing went on to post that nearly one in six Southwest passengers are flying using points. Makes total sense. No one's really been flying for the past 24 months. Yet most every one of us with a Southwest credit card has been using it and gathering those points. And speaking of the Southwest credit card, this one grinds my gears. For the past five years, I've been a Southwest Chase card holder, as well as a companion past recipient or member up until this year, 2022, when I no longer have the companion pass, but I do plan to keep using the Southwest Chase card. But here's the latest Southwest Chase credit card offer that I received, an existing customer. Headline, New Southwest Credit Card Offers Companion Pass for All. It went on to say this is a promotion for all of its consumer credit cards, so not the business card, the traditional consumer credit card, that requires $5,000 in spending within the first three months of opening any new, new, new Southwest Airlines branded credit card. 
And if you hit the gate of the 5,000 within three months, you receive the companion pass through February 28th of 2023, plus an award of 30,000 bonus points deposited into your Rapid Rewards account. Uh, Southwest, I got a question. Uh, what about all your loyal existing customers? Look, I pay my credit card bill off every single month, so Chase isn't making bank on their interest rate for me. But seriously, I'm already your customer, right? Cheaper to keep an existing customer than it is to go acquire new ones, and I understand market expansion and net new growth, but you gotta do something for us. I mean, I talked to the CEO about taking a new credit card out in her name, but then I've got the hassle of using her card to book travel and the points ending up in her account and not mine. It's still on the table. I just don't know if we're gonna pull the trigger on it, but I do wish that Southwest would drop the companion pass requirements, maybe on a sliding scale based on the length of time that you've been an existing companion pass member, who knows? But I really think they've gotta do something to kind of narrow the gap between existing customers and new customers. Well, that's it for the first edition of the 2022 Random Show. Next episode, of course, is the February Crazy Travel Roundup. So look for that in a couple weeks. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. Leave me a message at Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Thank you.